Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, today we're going to continue in this message series that we've simply entitled one another and over the last few weeks we have been learning that a very special thing happens when you do what you do for the benefit of somebody else that when you one another one another not only is that person's life blessed and benefited by your action but like a boomerang one anothering one another as it goes out from you in a very selfless way, God brings it back. He brings it back to you uh, in a way that He knows what is best for you. So it's like we're, we're made for this one anothering thing. We're made for it. It, it, it resembles the heart of God. It resembles the heart of Christ. It resembles the Spirit to, to selflessly act. And, and there's a life of fulfillment, and there's a life of meaning that comes behind that. Would never, ever, ever, ever want to promote a selfish selflessness. Like, hey, I'm going to go do something for my brother because God's going to do something for me. That God sniffs that stuff out and it never works out when true selflessness is in action he brings it back around through his wisdom his, his discernment his grace in great great ways into our lives there are over over 50 one another statements in the new testament and over the last few weeks we've been looking at different one another statements and there's, again, many of them encouraging one another, building one another up, serving one another. Tons of one another statements in the Scripture. Today we are going to look at a very, very special thing you can do for one another. You can pray you can pray for one another we're looking in James today in James chapter 5 and then what we're going to do is we're going to look at a case study of what this looks like when it's fleshed out in real life so we're going to hear a teaching from James on the subject of praying for one another. And then we're going to look at an example in, in Mark's gospel. An example with Jesus. About what that looks like. So it's almost like you take James and his teaching. And then lay on that this example we see of Christ. And not only do you get the teaching, but you get the example. It's probably going to take two weeks for us to do this. So we'll, we'll make a go of it this morning and we'll start 
in James chapter 5. So in, in addition to encouraging one another and loving one another and building one another up and forgiving one another and serving one another and one another, one another, one another, James says, pray for one another. In 5.13, he starts off by asking a very simple question to those who would read and hear this letter. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for who? Who do we pray for? Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective, the, the energized, if you could look through this word, the energized, focused, targeted, effective, laser-beamed type of praying. The effective prayer of a righteous man or woman can accomplish much. Father, we give you this time, Lord. We just ask that you would reveal your heart and yourself to us. Uh, through your written word and also, Father, through your living word, Christ, as he is shared with us today by your spirit. Father, we trust in your power during this time. We wouldn't want to do this, wouldn't even want to begin to do this, Father, without you. Uh, so teach us and guide us and we open our hearts and our minds to you. We give you ourselves uh, and we trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, you know, of all the subjects in Scripture, and, and, and there are many subjects and topics in Scripture, but of all the ones that, that really gets a lot of press and a lot of ink in the New Testament, and also in the, the Scripture as a whole, Old, Old and New Testament, is the subject of prayer. You know, it's like prayer starts out of the gate, and there's never like this this elementary initial teaching on prayer like okay by the way folks we're going to tell you that prayer is going to be a really important theme on, on the, at the outset of this and, and so you need to know this and this is how you do it and this is what you say and, and this is how prayer works no it is like one of the givens from the beginning of time that God's people are going to pray that they're going to have conversation with him and commune with him. And we could define prayer in so many ways. It's kind of like, you know, is it, is it asking God for certain things? Yes. Supplication, petitioning God, asking him for certain things. Yes, that's a part of, of praying. What about just praising him? We're going to see today in the text that yes, just, just praising him, like speaking back to him, his value, his worth, his glory. Yes, 
That's about praying too. Just having casual conversation with God in a relationship. Yes, that is praying. That's what prayer looks like. There was a teacher one time, a, a Bible teacher, who, who decided to quiz a student on the subject of the Lord's Prayer. And he called the, the, the student out in front of the whole class and, and said, I want to I ask you to recite the Lord's Prayer. So the young, confident student stood up and he began. Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The teacher looked at him, kind of shook his head, put his hand in his pocket and said, oh, I meant to tell you, I was going to give you $10 for doing that. Here it is. I didn't think you would know it. <laughs> and prayers like that. Man, you think you've got this thing figured out, or maybe you've prayed, and you asked God, and, and you saw Him move, and you saw Him work, and you think, man, I, I've got this thing figured out. And then something else comes along. Something else happens. And you pray. And you pray. And it's like crickets. Do you remember the first time you ever sent an email? Now, some of our students are going, I, I don't ever remember a time we didn't have email. But I remember the first time that email came out as a form of communication. How many of y'all remember the first email you ever got? And you remember you'd have that neat little voice, that computerized voice would come over, and it would pop up on your computer and say, you've got what? You've got, you've got mail. And then you're like, okay, this is kind of cool. And you type out a reply, and you you put the subject in, you send it out, and then it's like, whew, and there it goes. And you're kind of like, well, gee, I, I, I wonder, if it, is it going to land at home? Is, is the person I sent it to going to receive this? Uh, are they going to read my email? Will they reply? There's so many unknowns with that. I remember, I did, listen, folks, I did not trust email. I didn't trust that thing. I'm like, yeah, I'll send it. But it's almost like because it was new and it was technology, the, the credibility uh, and the integrity of, of it hadn't been established. And so it's like, I don't really trust this. I really can't be held to this. So I'll send the email and then I'll call them. <laughs> Prayer can be like that. I'm sending something out there. Did the recipient get it? Did he read it? Did he hear it? How will I know? So many mysterious things about the thing that God says to do. Over and over and over. And to do for one another. Well, I think James gives us some clues here. I think he kind of lets us in on how prayer works to a degree. And then we'll move from James and we'll go to Mark chapter 2 next week and see the practical example of this. But James starts out by asking a simple question that most anybody, listen to me, that most anybody in any congregation could ever answer with an affirmative yes. And he just simply says, is anyone among you suffering? 
This is verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Now, this suffering is not defined. He doesn't say suffering with your finances. Doesn't say suffering with your health. Any of you suffering in your family or in your marriage? Any of you suffering in your work? It's wide open. And this could actually be suffering of any kind or any nature. Yes, it could be. Are you suffering in your finances? Are you suffering in a relationship? Are you suffering at school in a class, can I get an amen? Anyone, 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 are you suffering with your health? If anyone among you is suffering, then he, who's he? The person who's what? The person who is suffering. He, she must do what? Must pray. Have you ever struggled with praying for yourself? Have, have you ever thought that if I pray for myself, then I'm being selfish? I've actually have heard people say to me, I mean, people have said to me, I, I do not pray for myself because I feel like I'm selfish if I pray for myself. I, I, I've heard moms say, you know, I'm here to give to my children, to give to my families. And I'm supposed to give and give and give and give. And then you see that young mom just worn out, tired, exhausted. And you come alongside them and you're like, hey, listen, take care of yourself. Look out for yourself. Get some rest. Take some time off. Reach out for somebody for some help. It's kind of like praying for yourself. Self-care is important. Your family needs you to be the best you. The people who are close to you in your life, they need you to be the best you. So self-care and self-prayer is not selfish. It is a generous thing you can do for the people who have to live with you. <laughs> and the people who get to spend time with you. James says... Is anyone among you suffering? The one who is suffering for whatever reason, then he must pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Next part. Is anyone among you? Verse 14. Is anyone, uh, or the end of 13. Is anyone among you cheerful? I, I messed them up there. It's verse 13. We're still in verse 13. Sorry, guys. Is anyone cheerful? He is to do what? Sing praises. You say, well, what does it mean to sing praises? To sing praises simply means to speak back to God his value and his worth. Praising God is just telling him who he is. And it's not like you've got to remind him who he is. It's really, a lot of times when you praise him, you're reminding yourself of who he is. Any of y'all have a grandmother that was like always praying or always praising? Grandma in the kitchen, maybe you walked through and grandma was in there and she's, 
you know, maybe making some biscuits or whatever, and she's, she's just praying this matter, Lord Jesus, lift up so-and-so, and Lord Jesus. And then and then other days, she's not in there, and she's not praying, or she's you know, not praying for her kids, but she's uh, praising the Lord. This is my story. You know, she's just singing along, you know. But Grandma's always doing it. Grandma's always, she's always either praying or always praising. Paul said, pray without ceasing. And if praying is having a conversation with God, then either you're suffering or you're cheerful, but you're always talking to God. You ever have a conversation with God and you never get to the end? Any of you ever start to pray and you never get to amen? You ever done that? You started out nice and proper. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, dear sweet Jesus, and then somewhere along the way, you get a call, you get a text, somebody knocks, you get up and you go about your business, or how many of you, you fall asleep, and you never get to, have you ever felt bad or felt guilty, you got the next morning like, God, I'm so sorry, I didn't finish my prayer. I wonder if God in his spirit would, would speak back to you and say, I don't want you to. I don't want you to ever finish. Don't worry about getting to amen. Because to pray without ceasing is to be in communication with me all the time. Your prayer life is to be your life. So whether you're suffering or you're cheerful, you're always talking to God. Then James takes this another step further. Is anyone among you sick? And some of you think, okay, this is exclusively for people who have a health issue. The next part says, is anyone among you sick? Then they are to do what? They are to call for the elders of the church, they are to pray over him, the person who is now sick. But the word sick here has a much broader meaning than health issues. It's a word that means to grow weary, to grow tired. It's not, there's an initial suffering and, and you're called to pray for yourself. But now, the suffering has gone further. And now it's leading to a weariness of your soul. It's like you are now sick and tired of that which made you suffer to begin with. How many of you can say today, yeah, I've had financial problems. But then, I got sick and tired of having financial problems. How many of you can say today, I have had Relational issues, friend, marriage, family, whichever. I've had marriage problems. But then I got sick and tired of having marriage problems. Can any of you say, I've had school issues, issues with friends. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've suffered in that way, but, but I've also have found myself Becoming sick 
and tired of having those school, relational, financial, emotional issues. It's like the person is called and encouraged to pray for themselves, but then they get to a point and they can't pray for themselves. So it's on them now to reach out. And please don't read into this an exclusive office or position in the church that you can only reach out to. Like the pastor, elders, or deacons. But it's best to understand this, listen to me, as those who are spiritually mature. Call those who are spiritually mature when you can no longer pray for yourself. And let somebody else pray for you. So why would I call out to the spiritually mature to come pray for me? Because they know what it's like to pray. They know what it's like to have a continual conversation with God. I mean, really, if this thing is, is really kind of up to asking, seeking, and knocking... then I'm going to reach out to those who've asked before, those who have knocked before, and those who have sought before. They will come, the text says. They are to pray over the one who is sick and tired of suffering. And then notice this next part. They are too, or it's a participle, anointing him with oil. So watch this. Because it's a participle, it's like this is an action that is taking place as the prayer and the visit comes. One of the better, better renderings of, of this particular verse in, in the ancient text is having anointed with oil. They are to pray. Now, now you're thinking, okay, so somebody's going to show up and they're going to have a vial of special anointing oil. And, and I actually have a vial of anointing oil. Have, have you ever had someone to pray over you and anoint you with oil? I have. It's a really neat thing. I never forget the first time that I had this experience. Someone just said, man, we just really want to pray over you. And they had a vial of oil, special oil. There was frankincense in it. There was myrrh, a, a, a great fragrance. And they put it on my forehead. And then they said, open your hands. I opened my hands. They put it right here on my pulse points, on my wrist. And you could just, just smell. And, and it was like this symbol, symbolic spiritual significance of, of just prayer and God's presence coming over you. It's one of those times... Where the I can't see touches base with the I can see. And the I can't smell with the I can smell. And the I can't hear necessarily with the I can hear. A great, neat experience. But in the ancient world, anointing oil in this way had a very practical benefit. It was very dry. It was very arid. 
They would pour oil on people's head for medicinal reasons. It was like a balm. It was like a soothing, nurturing thing. It had a medicinal, practical benefit. It's been suggested by teachers that what James is saying is that the, when the spiritually mature come, they evaluate the situation of what caused you to suffer to begin with, and then they minister in a practical way to the need. So like you call me up and you say, man, I've been struggling with my finances. I have this bill. Come pray for me. Maybe me and a couple of other guys or somebody else comes over. We're like, what, what's causing this in your life? And I'm just so, I'm sick and tired of struggling. And then I say, out of love and compassion, okay, well, here's what I can do. And another brother, here's what I can do. And we begin to meet that need. And then we pray and trust God with the rest. It's like applying a, a balm to a situation. To salve over a need is to effectively minister to the situation while praying over the person. The scripture tells us, James says, and the prayer offered in faith will do what? Will restore the one who is sick. Now, here's what we know. We know that not everyone who is prayed for is healed. We know that not every situation is changed. Have you ever prayed for somebody and you prayed for physical healing or you prayed for a certain need in your life and that did not go away? When James talks about restoration, He's talking about someone who's grown weary. They're sick and tired of their suffering. They cannot bear it anymore. But now, spiritual strength and help comes along. They're prayed for. They're helped out. They're restored in the sense that they can now bear with again that which caused them to suffer in the first place. It's like, I can keep on keeping on. I can keep going now. I can face another day. Yesterday, I didn't think I could. And I called. And you came. And you helped. And you prayed. And now, I can stand again. And maybe my marriage isn't, maybe my marriage isn't better. And maybe my job's not better. And maybe this crap I'm dealing with at school isn't better. But I'm better. I can stand now. And I can fight another day. Because somebody one anothered me it's been said that prayer is bringing heaven 
into somebody's situation on earth. James speaks of the prayer of faith. He speaks of forgiveness. There's perhaps a lot of ancient world understanding behind why people would be sick or have problems to begin with. We won't get into all of that in the text. But we know that there were many times people thought in the ancient world, they thought, and maybe you've thought it, the reason I am suffering and the reason I am sick is because I've sinned. James might be speaking to that and he's speaking to God's grace to help people to deal with sometimes the guilt they may feel from things in their life. We know that in Christ, when you accept Christ, you are forgiven of all of your sins. Past, present, future, Christ died for everyone. And there's not one he did not die for. But then James does this that we'll close on today that I think it's a little unnerving. I don't think this happens enough. And when it has happened, I'm not for sure it's happened in the right spirit. James says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective, which means energized, focused, laser beamed. Prayer of a righteous man or woman can accomplish much. But let's talk about this confessing to one another real quick. Have you ever confessed your sins to a brother or sister in Christ? A couple of weeks ago, I had a brother to came, come to me. And he said, I want, I want to tell you something I've been dealing with and, I, and I'm telling you because I know you're not going like, to judge me or condemn me. You are, you're, you're safe. I think, and he said, I think this will be good for my soul if I just acknowledge this to you and bring you along now as a person who will be concerned about this situation with me and will pray with me about it. And he laid it out there. And I'm like, dude, I'm so glad you felt like you could tell me that. Yes, I think that is wisdom. I think that is discernment on your part. I will come alongside you and, and I'll help carry this with you. But you are not to do that with everyone. Some have said, Oh, to confess your sins to one another means that if you blow it and you mess up, you are to now go in front of the entire congregation and church and community and let everybody know what you've done. 
But notice the text. Confess your sins to one another. And then the next part back on the screen. Again, the next part. And pray for one another. So here's the deal. When I become a confessor, I'm only a confessor to a prayer. I'm not a confessor to a gossiper. I'm not a confessor confessor to anyone who will take my business out on the streets, make them known to everybody else, plaster them all over Facebook, and rub my nose in my mistake. I confess with wisdom and discernment. I confess to those who will pray for me. Not talk about me. Or judge me. Or condemn me. But those who will pray for me. And James says. Prayer that is focused and energized and laser beamed will accomplish much. The story, the story is this. So there's this paralytic and he can't get to Jesus because there's a crowd at the door. Of the house where Jesus is. He can't get to him. His only hope is in Jesus. And this would be like someone with the last stages of cancer. So he's got four buddies. The four buddies go up to the roof of the house. And the scripture says that they, they dig into the roof. And why would they dig? Ancient world, thatch, mud. They have to dig to get in. Then here's what they do. While he's on a pallet, they, they lower him down into the presence of Jesus. And the scripture says in Mark that Jesus saw their faith. Their faith. Not his faith. Their faith. And then he speaks to him and says... Your sins are forgiven. And then he says, and take up your pallet. And the dude walked out of there glorifying God. Here's the question. Is this what prayer is all about? You taking a situation, a person paralyzed, sick and tired, in fear, Whatever it is. And in intercessory prayer. You are lowering them. You are bringing them up rather. Into the presence. Of the one who can touch their life. It takes. Willing prayers. It takes. A willing object. The person. Has to be willing. And it takes a willing Savior for the man to find forgiveness and healing. And next week, we're going to talk about those three aspects of prayer. We're going to talk about reality, how we understand reality. And we're going to talk about what we do know 
about God's will when it comes to prayer. But for now, you get the privilege and opportunity to be the person who brings another into the presence of the Savior when you pray for one another. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.